Good morning, ladies. It's so good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us. We are glad that you're here. We're excited about what God is going to do today. Um, if you need bathrooms, you go out this door to the right, and the bathrooms are down there on your left. And I'm going to give a few thank yous out. We have quite a few people that have worked today to make this a beautiful day. First of all, we want to thank Miss Linda Quick, our district director. Let's give her a big thank you, yes. She and Sharon were out here for several hours, I think, working on getting everything decorated so pretty, and we appreciate all that. We want to thank all the churches that brought food. Thank you. It was delicious. We appreciate all of you that did that. We want to thank our sound and our media guys, our security. Um, I think, did I get everybody, Miss Lynn? Is that everybody? Okay, and Aaron and Kristen wanted to also help with the decorations, so we just, let's give everybody a big hand for thanking. I don't want to leave anybody out. Also, before you leave today, there is a place in the fellowship hall where you were having breakfast for a, for a photo op. So if you'll go in there, it says abide, and there's some signs beside it. If you'll take some pictures, and if you will share on social media, please put the hashtag Laurenburg District, District WM Fall Fling. Okay, so everybody knows where you were. Okay, we want you to share that for everybody. And so um, at this time, we're going to welcome Miss Linda Quick, our Laurenburg District Director of. want to welcome everybody. We just have people from all over the place today. I know we have people from, and you can shout out when I call your location, Northview Harvest Ministries, uh, Woodville, <laughs> Higher Dimensions. Uh, I believe we were supposed to have some people here from East Rockingham. Also, Sheral. Anybody from Sheral get here? Okay, Wilmington. Okay, Raleigh. Yeah, Shalote. Yeah, family came in from Shalote today. And then we have people from the local community as well. And we just want to welcome all of you. And before you leave, if there are any district directors and pastor's wives or pastors, see me before you leave today, okay? Oh, yes. I, thank you, Sister Joyce. I, I knew I'd forget. Cross Point and McCall. Ah, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, anybody else? Maxton, how can I forget Maxton? Anybody from New Hope? All right. Okay, y'all surprised me. Some of you showed up that uh, I thought would be in other places today. Okay. I also want to thank Sister Mandy Hunt for being our worship leader today, and we have uh, folks from Cross Point, Northview and McCall who are participating. This is the first time we've done a, a mixture in our praise team and 
I really appreciate because they've come out and practiced several times getting ready for today. So let's give them a hand. All right. Um, I also would like to introduce, I'll do that in a minute. We're going to go ahead and do the door prizes. Uh, if you will look at your name tag, if you have a little green leaf on it, if you'll stand up, we, we have some folks who will get your uh, prize to you. Yeah. All right. Now don't forget, district directors and pastors, wives or pastors, uh, see me before you leave today, okay? All right, at this time I'm going to introduce a couple of very special gifts to the conference and to us today. Sister Glenda Shank, Glenda, if you'll stand. She is our newly appointed conference WM <laughs> Assistant District Director, not Assistant District, Conference Director. And beside her is the First Lady of the Conference, Sister Lynn Smith. Lynn, if you'll stand. And we're so happy they're with us today. All right. Um, Glenda, I'm going to ask you if this time, if you'll give us a, a greeting. And you can do it from right here. Uh, with the mic. <laughs> I have, I have to get indoctrinated. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> it's great to be here. I always enjoy coming here because Miss Linda always puts together a great fling. And uh, so she certainly deserves all the accolades that we gave her and still do. We love her. I fell in love with her the very first time I met her. And uh, in case anyone doesn't know, she is a fabulous cook, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, First of all, uh, let me say thank God for all of his goodness, his mercy, and I love him. I know you do, too, and I want us to worship this morning, and I know that we're going to enjoy everything, and I am very much looking forward to this testimony this morning, because I know that we've all been praying, and now we see the fruits of this and I'm excited about hearing all of the details and how God has really shown himself. But let me send you greetings from South Carolina Women's Ministries. Uh, Lynn Hood is the uh, director of Women's Ministries, and she really wanted to be here, but she had a vacation planned a long time ago, so let's keep she and her family in uh, our prayers. They are going to Niagara Falls for the first time, so uh, keep them in your prayers for safe and fun uh, travels. And um, <clears throat> we do covet your prayers. It's a new season, and we want to follow the Lord's leading. And because we want to see great things among our women, and not just our women, but in our conference. 
And so uh, thank you for the opportunity to serve. And um, we are here for you. And if you ever have any questions or need us for anything, just let us know. Okay? Love you, ladies. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. All right. At this time, we'll have scripture. Sharon Quick will be reading that. I'm, I'm sorry, Sharon. I got ahead of myself. Uh, Sister Joyce is going to, uh, if you'll stand, we're going to pray over Israel before we begin the rest of our program. Uh, join me, ladies. I'm going to pray Psalm 83 for Israel. Yes, here we go. Psalm 83. Keep not thy silence, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For lo, enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against the hidden ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together, and with one consent they are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Eden, I'll just skip all those names of those enemies and go down to verse 13. Oh my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth the wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame that... They may seek the name, thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever, yea. Let them be put to shame and perish. And this is why, that men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah art the most high forever and ever. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to blow the shofar now. This is our call to worship. In ancient Israel, when they blew the shofar, it sent out that message, it's time to lift up the name of Jesus. So let's do worship and that is exactly what we're doing um, I'm going to read a scripture from Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty I will say of the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress 
my God, in him I will trust. And what better way to show our trust, our worship, our love, our adoration, our praise to the Lord than in offering. Felicia, if you girls will come on up um, and prepare. I want to share this very quickly. Um, I actually did the offering for our last women's ministry celebration. And the Lord began to really just move in my heart about offering as worship. And I think it's so fitting that Pastor Faye has just blown the show far. We have the attention of the king. And now we're going to come and bring our offering. And technically, this is a love offering to cover the expenses of this event. But what I see us doing in the spirit is we are coming and we are laying our gifts at the Father's feet. Our gifts that say, I trust you more than I trust man. I trust you more than a doctor's diagnosis. I trust you more than life circumstances. I trust you more than what I see around me in the natural. I trust you, and I'm bringing this as my act of total adoration, my act of total worship to you, and I'm laying it at your feet, Father, because I know that you are a man who, that you are not a man who would lie, that you are faithful and true and just, and every promise that you have given, I can take it to the bank because I know that it will happen. I may not see it right now. It may not feel like it. It may feel like I'm surrounded on every side. But you are the Lord God Almighty. The one who was and is and always will be. And I put my trust in you. So ladies, stand up. We're going to have a song um, now. And as that song begins to play, I just want you to come and lay your worship at the feet of Jesus through the means of these offering baskets.
Father God, we honor you in this place this morning. Hallelujah to your Father. You are worthy, Almighty God. We come to pray, hallelujah, over the offering on a boshunity. But your glory is already here, my God, and we love you this morning. Hallelujah. We thank you for even meeting us here. And God, you get the glory. Your sweet Holy Spirit continue to abide with us in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for your offering, Almighty God. We thank you for your presence, the greatest offering that is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Continue to bless these, your people, as they gave, oh God. And as we continue to give into your offering, our souls for your glory and the people's good, you get the glory. Now your sweet Holy Spirit continue to rule your people. And we thank you for this offering, oh God, that was received for your glory and the people's good. And God, we thank you. I love you, Jesus. And we worship you in the process of all of that. We love you this morning. And we love you and we thank you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, can we lift our hands to the Father this morning? Come on, he receives the glory in this place. You get the glory in this place. Come on, just welcome the Father in the room. Hallelujah, we lift our hands and worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you this morning. We lift our hands and adore you. Jesus, we magnify your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, do you believe that anything is possible for him today? Come on, no matter what you've walked in with this morning, no matter what you're facing, come on, anything is possible for him today. Come on, I want you to look at your look at your neighbor, and I want you to shake your hands like this, because in, in, in just a moment we're going to get to a part of a song, and it says, show me, it says, the, all of my fear I will turn into praise, shake off despair as I sing out your name, a victory dance I will dance out in faith. And I will crush disappointment and break every chain. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your light. There is no rival that could ever stand against your might. You've always been with us 
Every battle you've already won, oh, we've already won. And there is no weapon that has ever left a mark on you. And there is no army with the power to conquer truth. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won, so we've already won. Show me one thing you can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough, and anything is possible. Come on, do you believe that today? Show me one thing that's too hard. Show me waters he can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough, and anything is possible. It's possible. disappointment and break every chain now all of my fear i will turn into praise shake off despair as i sing out your name a victory dance i will dance out in faith i will crush disappointment and break every chain now all of my fear i will turn into praise shake off despair as i sing out your name a victory dance I will dance out in pain I will crush disappointment and all of my fears now all of my fear I will turn into praise shake off this fear as I sing out your name a victory dance I will dance out in pain I will crush disappointment show me one thing he can't do show me Show me one thing that's too hard. 
closer than a friend, God, and closer than a brother, God. God, you are worthy of it all today, God, and we just ask that you this morning, God, God, that you just teach us to abide in you today, God. Lord, teach us to trust you. Teach us to worship. Teach us to dwell in your presence. Teach us, Lord, today and remind us that you are in control today, God. Lord, we just thank you. We give you praise, God. We know that you are in control today, and we just honor you for it. the 
to 
for just a moment can we give him our worship Jesus. Oh. 
Singing high. 
God, you said in your word, when you return, will I find faith in the earth? You are establishing a people of faith. And Lord, we thank you for the new faith portion that will be released today. Lord, we want to say, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come in, in all its forms, in all its attributes, in all its benefits, in all its strength, in all its power, in all the anointing, in all its glory. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And Lord, we pray over Sheila and over Rachel as they minister today. God, we know that you've brought us to hear the power of the blood of the Lamb and the overcomer's testimony. And Lord, I just want to say this morning that that overcomer's testimony will multiply, will multiply, will multiply. 
And Lord, we just ask now that our spirit would rise above the flesh, above the soul, that we hear according to your spirit. And we just thank you for today, God. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the press and the prayers that got us to today. In Jesus' name. there when Sheila smiled her first smile. I was there when she danced in my living room as she received the baptism in the Holy Spirit at the age of eight. I was there for her graduations. And I was there with her as she went through a very trying time in her life. But she stood tall and she constantly said, I just have peace. Sheila is a special agent in charge with North Carolina SBI. She works out of the Capital District at Raleigh. Rachel is nine years old and in the third grade, fourth grade, ooh, she's grown up so fast. And Rachel has been right there with her mom to comfort her and to encourage her. I present to you now Sheila and Rachel Minshew.
Touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward, teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. <laughs> I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood is ceased. My daughter. No one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. your faith. Teacher, she was pleading so long. We can take her. She is clean.
You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. I wish I could stay here longer. But I have business to attend to. Someone else has faith like yours. But I'm so glad that we found each other. If I had a, a title for a message today, it would be Fringe Faith. And know that we could all get to the point where we had enough faith to believe that if we could just touch the hem of his garment, that everything would be okay. And nothing that I'm going to say today has anything to do with, with me or um, anything great that I did, but it's about the prayers of his people, the faith of his people on my behalf and trusting God in the process and trusting, um, trusting in him to walk through whatever comes our way in life, right? And it's all about um, knowing that he is bigger than anything that comes our way and that if we can reach out and just grab hold of that faith, he can make us whole and he can make us well. Thank you for having me today. Um, I know um, I've shared a little bit of my testimony last year. Just um, of course, there was, that was very early on in my journey. So I just kind of want to give a recap. There are many people who weren't here today, or there's people who have known about the journey that we've walked through. But um, I'm going to attempt to just kind of give you a summary and then really just dive into what God has done and just how great he is. And I, I hope that you will get something from it today. But February 17th of 2022 started like just any other day for, for me and my home. My husband and I, we packed up the kids and we got ready for school and we dropped them off at school. And then he and I headed off to um, a clinic nearby. I was scheduled to have an endoscopy because I'd just been having... Um, just some pain when I'd been eating. They had diagnosed that they knew my gallbladder needed to come out. They thought that's what it was. They said, but we're going to do this just in case, just to, before we go in, just to make sure everything else is fine. So we did that. And um, so it was like I said, we dropped them off at school and we went to that and went into that procedure. And um, I woke up, you know, a little bit later and a nurse came in and she said, I need you guys to come down to this room. I kind of looked at my husband and it's like, well, I don't really like going into the no good news room, you know. So we walked down there and we were um, immediate. The doc doctor came in and said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. He said, we had to stop the procedure. You have a very large mass in your duodendum, which is part of your digestive tract and you're right there at your stomach. Um, we couldn't complete it, but we need you to go immediately to this other 
facility and have this test done. So we did that. And we met the next day with, um, we were told to go to another doctor's office the next day and we, we did that and we walked in and um, suddenly about six or seven doctors came in. And um, as you can imagine, our anticipation and anxiousness was growing at that point. And the main surgeon, he was held up, so another one of his um, partners in the, in the facility there came in and said, you know, we need to explain some things to you. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, he said, but you, um, you have stage four. Um, it's a very rare, inoperable cancer. And immediately, you know, you hear those words and um, it changes your life, you know, all of a sudden it, things are very different. And so uh, they began trying to explain to us what was going on and, and what that looked like. And the other surgeon uh, finally came in and um, they just began this influx of information and, you know, it was just a lot to take in and my husband, he had to get up and step out. He goes out in the hall and he was just overcome and I'm um, just not at all what we were expecting that day. And so, um, you know, they explained that there's just, there's, we don't know a lot about this, but we know what it is and it's, it's spread um, to other parts of your body and, you know, at this point there's, there's just nothing that we can do other than get you survivable at this point and we need that was on a Friday and they said we need you to come to the hospital on Tuesday and we need to do surgery right away just to get you to a place that you can survive it won't be surgery on the cancer it would be a bypass so that um, you can even eat and survive for any amount of time so that was the plan so we went home and at that time we um, we didn't know what, really what to tell our kids, so we just let them know that mommy's got to go in the hospital for a couple of days, and um, you know, to try to get me better, and we'll we'll figure it out from there. And so that uh, that Tuesday, we um, we packed up and we went to the hospital. But I want to tell you this: that so the days and the months leading up to to that diagnosis had been very strange for me, and strange in a good way. It was just that the Lord had been dealing with my heart and my life so much. It seemed like every, just every morning I was just consumed with this overpowering emotion that, God, there, there's something more. Like, I need and I want to do something more for you. God, give me, show me somebody. I just feel like there's somebody I need to bless, somebody I need to help. And I know that... Um, you're able to do then I just want you to work through me like give me that opportunity and we got to be careful when we pray prayers like that right because you don't know how God will use you and you don't know what's coming around the corner but if you pray a prayer like that you got to mean it and you got to be ready to grab that opportunity no matter what it looks like no matter what it feels like and you and you've got to say okay God this is it and I got to tell you in the doctor's office that day, when the doctor said those words, and as as it's just powerful as it was that that what could have been such an oppression and depression in that room, there was such a peace. And I don't know how to explain it, but I know that in that moment, I said, "This is it. 
this is that defining moment that I say I either choose to trust God with everything that I have or I don't get to trust him with anything and I have to lay aside whatever I've claimed to believe because if I'm just going to have a wishy-washy faith that's not going to work you got for me I had to choose to either believe what I have what I have learned and what I have taught and my kids and preached to other people for 47 years of my life being raised in a Christian home it's all I heard so I either choose to take that what I've learned for 47 years and put it to the test and say okay God this is it this is that time use me whatever this looks like or or I just I just throw it all away but in that moment I said okay I'm yours Lord I don't, I don't want to walk down this path because I'm scared. And I hear what they're saying. But I know that you are my God and you on the cattle on a thousand hills. And you created all this in a word. And I know that in a word you can heal me. But if you do not, it is okay walk this path whatever it looks like until you tell me that you're done and so I went to the hospital and um, prepared for surgery in what was supposed to be a couple of days and again the Lord works in mysterious ways and let me just tell you um, we weren't quite prepared for what happened afterwards but my mom and my sisters and Every, the whole family, you know, came together and they were there for me and my husband. And um, I ended up in the hospital for about a month, and that was hard because during that time it was just after the height of COVID, and I couldn't see my kids. And all my kids knew was that mom suddenly disappeared, and that's hard when you got a, a six, a seven, and a seventeen-year-old at home, you know. And, and you didn't prepare them for any of that. You just prepared them for a couple of days. And suddenly, she's gone. And during that time in the hospital, um, things with surgery, the surgery went well in a sense, but some other things happened that didn't go quite so well, and my stomach quit working, um, and I just began to get really, really sick. And I think, you know, it was hard to, to, put, to wrap your head around it, too, because you have to remember I went into the hospital that's healthy, you know, 45-year-old woman um, who could move furniture by herself, you know, and, and suddenly um, I'm just just getting really sick and I don't feel strong enough to, to do much of anything. And as the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into a month, I... My weight plummeted. I went. I lost about 40 pounds while in those that time in the hospital, and that's a drastic amount of weight for anyone to lose in that amount of time. And it was just um, took a, a toll on me. And then it came to the point that um, I had to have nourishment if there was any chance for me to start chemo, which was the only other option at that point for me. Um, then I had to have nourishment. So the decision was made to put in a feeding tube. 
and that was really difficult, you know. Um, suddenly you're this person that can't, can't really hardly fight for yourself, you know. Um, and I would just, I would get sick day in and day out all through the day, and my mom was there, and she would, she would come to the side of bed at the hospital, and she would just sit there, and she, all she could do was wipe my face with a wet rag, and you know, as it just continued all, all through the day. And it was very, um, could be very depressing, you know, because you just didn't understand what was going on. But um, little by little, I got enough strength that they decided that maybe I would do better at home. So after about that m- a month, I, I went home and was a little bit stronger and was able to start chemo. So we, we started chemo very quickly. My health began to deteriorate again, and I can remember those days um, where really at that point all I could do was lay in the bed. My husband would get me up and take me to chemo and then bring me home, and I would be on uh, chemo for three days out of the week, a continuous pump after I would come home from the clinic, and he would get me in bed and hook me up to the feeding tube, and you know, I couldn't eat. We take that for granted, you know. We in this this culture, in this our society, meals around the table are a big thing, you know, with the family. But I'll tell you, when you're in your room and you're laying in your bed and you hear your family in the kitchen, and you don't even have enough strength because you can't eat, but you can't even get to the table, it just does something to your spirit, you know, and it starts to break you. But again, I had to. Even in that very weak state, I remembered, you know, the Lord. In Isaiah 43, he says, I've called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, they won't overcome you. When you walk through the fire, they won't burn you. You hold on, my child, because I knew you when you were formed in your mother's womb. And I knew everything that would happen to you, and I am here now with you and I have got you and I won't let you fall and there were so many days and so many nights night after night and I couldn't do anything but you know what I could do I could raise my hands and I could praise him in the middle of it all that was my weapon was my praise and that's what we have to do so many times when we, we don't feel like it, when everything's against us, when it looks like our back is against the wall. I encourage you just to praise Him. Because sometimes that's, that, that's enough. God is enough. He is our Jehovah Jireh. He is enough. And that's all we need is just to trust Him. And so we walk through that for days and for weeks and for months of this, this feeding tube and then a drain tube to help, hopefully that would make me quit uh, vomiting so much. Um, and I know that's a lot of information, but I'm just trying to be very transparent and paint a picture for you of how low sometimes we get, you know, and how desperate the situation looks like. And again, I went from being a mom that, you know, did it all to a mom that could do nothing. My husband, he was basically a single dad. You know, and that was thrust on him. And I'll tell you, you know, it's in those times that you become very thankful for the people that God puts in your life. I'm thankful for my husband that 
You know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but I got to walk through a, a season and still walk with him through that season of for better, for worse. And when you know that mate intimately like that in a way that you've never known before, that's, that's something to be very thankful for. And so he had to do that, you know. And he would often tell me, he was like, honey, you're beautiful. And I'm like, but you've got to say that, you know. He's like, no. He's like, you're still beautiful. Um, but then in April, well, a couple of weeks after we went home from the hospital, I just got to a place that I was, I was very, very sick. And I ended up back in the hospital. And my, my sister and my mom had come up to try to give my husband a little bit of a break. It was his 50th birthday. This was in April. This all started in February. We're now in April. And um, there had just been a steady decline in my health. And sometimes you get to a point you, you're so sick you don't know how to ask for help. And you don't even realize how sick you are. But I could feel, honestly, I could feel that death creeping in. And um, they stayed with me. And I, I wouldn't tell anybody how sick I felt. But I couldn't really verbalize a lot either. And so I think they all knew. And I can remember I heard my husband in the kitchen talking to my mom and my sister before he left to go to his mom's just for the weekend and take the kids about how concerned he was about me. And it's all kind of like a, you know, a fog is there. And then, and he left and they stayed. And finally that next day, I remember my mom sitting on the bed and, and she was just trying to talk to me and, I finally looked at her and I was like, Mom, I, I need help. I need help. And so she called my husband and um, he was he, he hurried back home and got me to the hospital and, and went in the hospital for a period of time. And then um, I was extremely dehydrated and um, near a point of no return. But thank the Lord, you know, we got me there in time and things turned around very quickly and I was able to come back home and... The kids had planned to go with my mom for spring break, so it worked out, and they went with my mom and my sister back home. So when I came home, I just had a chance to kind of recover and get things together. And I remember that night laying in bed, my husband and I, after we got home from the hospital, and I was like, man, you know, we've just been through so much. And I was like, God, just, could you just give us something? You know, let me know that you're there, that you haven't forgotten me, that you're going to stay true to your promise because one of the main verses that he had given me in the beginning of all this was Psalm 91 that my sister read that whole chapter and I would read it day after day. Day after day. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall, shall abide. Shall abide. And you know abide, it means to, to act accordingly, to, to, to move or act accordingly with something. And so I had to remember to, to move and act accordingly with God's will, whatever that looked like again, whatever that was, that's what we were going to do. And my husband and I had prayed in the very beginning all this, Lord, we don't know, we know there's a bigger plan. And if it's just to restore somebody's faith, if it's for somebody to see how we walk through this and choose to praise you, then glory be to the name of God. That's what we will do. And so in each of these seasons that we walked through, even though it was so hard and, and, you know, it just seemed like the end several times, but we would remember, God, you're in control no matter what. You've got this. And he did. And, and that night we prayed and um, we were just crying out to God and, Lord, just, just, just give me something 
to let you know you hear me. So the next morning we got up, and I remember turning to my husband, and I was like, I want to try to eat. Just, I just want to try to eat. And he was like, well, babe, you know what's going to happen? I was like, no, I, I want to try. He was like, well, what do you want me to get? I was like, run to Hardy's and get some grits. <laughs> let's, let's try some grits. So he runs down to the Hardy's and he comes back and we're both sitting at the table and it's, it's, it's the strangest thing. It's like, you know, you and your husband sitting there and you're staring at each other watching me take it. You know, like, what's going to happen? <laughs> so I start eating the grits and I eat some more grits and I eat some more grits and they stayed down. <laughs> And it may not seem like a lot to you, but when you've got months of nothing by mouth, dependent on a tube that's not even working that great for you. And I said, thank you, God, for answering our prayer. Thank you for telling me that you still got me, that you hear us, that you see our cry, you see every tear, and you're walking right beside us. And that was, a, that was a great turning point. And so my stomach just, it just started working, you know, praise, praise God for that. And that put us in a, a great place and I was able to start gaining weight and um, continue the chemo and um, tolerate it better. And so, um, you know, this, this went on for some time and Like I said, we um, one of the things that we had prayed about was, you know, God give us opportunity in this and work through this, and He did all along the way. The people that I met in the clinic at chemo, you know, it was just such a joy to be able to talk to the nurses and the doctors and the other patients and just to to share with each other, you know, and try to encourage them. And again, it's it's not. It's not what you would expect. You know, when you're praying for God to give you the opportunity, you're not praying for God to make me sick so I can go in the hospital and be around a bunch of other sick people. I mean, that's not really what you had in your mind. But you know what? That's, that's where God put me. And I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything, honestly, with you. The people that I've met, the people that I've come in contact with and been able to share, even in those moments when I didn't know how this would turn out. You know, when I didn't know what it looked like. And I was able to tell them, look, I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that God will see us through. And no matter what this journey looks like, no matter what happens in the end, that his name will be praised. And that he will, he will just give us beauty through, the, through our circumstances. And that we'll be able to walk through it. And, um, you know, it, it was, it's been a long journey. And, again, from April through the summer and... Um, through the rest of the year, and as I continued chemo, it was, um, you know, I was doing well, and I kept having scans, and nothing was spreading. It was This is a very aggressive cancer, and the doctors, you know, they have those hard conversations with you, and they tell you, you know, what to expect, and or what, based on the little bit of data they had, and what it was like, and very aggressive, but yet, I was maintaining. And uh, there was no more spread, and 
little, sometimes we'd do a scan and the main tumor had shrunk just a little bit and the, the problem with this cancer was the tumor was around a main artery that runs through your body and then it had started to wrap around another vessel right beside that main um, aorta there. So it was very, um, a very delicate situation. So, um, but, you know, I was doing okay and I felt strong and again, all to the glory of God. I was just making it. But then towards the end of last year, um, the doctors said, well, we want to uh, put you on a maintenance plan. And I don't know about you, but the words people use sometimes can really strike a chord with us. And maintenance really wasn't something I was interested in. (laughs) Not. You know, we had been praying and you all had been praying for us. And our prayer wasn't, God, just maintain me. Right? I mean, my prayer is, God, you're going to heal me, whatever that looks like. You're going to move in a very definite way. And so we told the doctors, well, okay, but again, that's not really what we're interested in. You know, we've, you've told us all along that surgery isn't an option, but... We don't know a lot, and if things change, that at any time we would be ready to pivot and explore that situation. So where are we with that? And so we presented that question. And they didn't seem, you know, very hopeful, but they were willing to discuss it. So that was around about November, um, and in December, we went back for one of our weekly visits, and um, the doctor said, this was a few weeks later into December and he said, you know, he said, I've been talking and, um, you know, I've talked with Dr. LeCompte, who was my main surgeon, had a surgeon and oncologist that I saw regularly. He said, we're, um, let's talk about surgery and what that might look like if it were an option. I said, okay. So, um, we talked about that and he said, I want you to go, um, see Dr. LeCompte, your surgeon, and and talk to him, and um, we've talked about some things, and we'll see where this goes. So we did that, and we went and talked with him, and we sat in the office, and he said, well, he said, there's a lot of hurdles that we would need to get through to even get to the place that surgery is an option. He said, but it's been a year, and you've been on chemo, and, you know, you're doing remarkably well. You know, we don't um, normally see this with this type of cancer, because the data shows that most people kind of go in this direction pretty quickly. He said, and then there's a certain percentage of people who kind of hover right here. He said, but you're just kind of out here. He said, I don't, you know, I don't really understand that. He said, but again, we don't have a lot of data. He said, but you're just kind of doing your own thing. And so my husband and I, we just kind of smiled. We're like, okay. So um, he said, well, you know, there's, there's a surgery that we call a Whipple surgery, and some of you may be familiar with that. Maybe you've had family that have had to endure that. He said um, it's generally reserved for this type of patient, not really um, this cancer. He said, but it's kind of one of the only options, and um, we don't really know if it would work, but if it did, you know, it might give you a couple of years because um, we're not sure that we could really, it could really do what it was designed to do. And so we, um, we told the doctor, we said, well, look, 
I hear what you're saying. I do. And I appreciate that. And because um, those things are hard to hear, you know, when somebody dates dance your life. But we serve a God that's greater than any of this, and we respect you. But we've been praying for the option of surgery, and now you have presented the option of surgery. So we're going to walk forward in this, in faith, believing that God is on the throne. And this is what we've prayed for. And we will not turn, we will not turn our backs and run. We will walk through those doors of opportunity that God's given us. And so we walked out to the car, and my husband just began to weep. And I was like, Babe, what's wrong? And he was like, he was like, I don't understand. He said, did you hear what he said? I said, I heard what he said. I said, but who do we trust? Our faith is in the Lord. I said, I don't care. They can give me a date. They can give me a range. It doesn't matter. What matters is our faith in the Lord, and we will stand on his promises. We will stand on the promises he's made to us and what he's put in our heart that no matter what, I will see you through. And you, at the end of chapter 91 in the Psalms, it says, and with long life. With long life, I will bless you. I said, and that is the promise that he has given us. And we will stand on that no matter what we hear. That is what we will believe, and that is what we will strive for. And that's how we will walk in faith, knowing that God is going to see us through. I had already been to look. I'm not going to act like this has been an easy journey. It is not. Because there were times when I was broken and I was weak, when I was in the hospital, and when I was finally able to go home, and I sat on the edge of the bed, my husband had finally left. I'd had someone with me 24 hours a day, every day because I could not do for myself. But I finally told my husband, you need to go, I'll be fine. There are nurses here that can take care of me. And so I was alone for the very first time that last week in the hospital. But you know what, the devil knew that. And he knows when to pounce on you. Because he thought, okay, well her, her, her support, her warriors, her prayer warriors are gone. But what he forgot was, okay, yes, those people are gone. But my God has taught me that I I don't need anybody to go to the throne for me because I have direct access. And he sat on the bed next to me and he got all over me and he was like, you will not see your kids grow up. You're not going to beat this. Look at you. You can't even lift, you can't even lift a fork to your mouth and eat. You can do nothing. There's no future for you. And I just began to weep, and I got up, and I got out of that room best I could, and I got my walker and my pole, and I walked down the hall, and I began to cry. But you know what? The Lord, he knew. He knew that moment would come. And that's a spiritual battle because he was over there fighting that battle for me. He was wrestling with the, the enemy of our soul, and he had me covered, and he sent me a little angel in the way of a nurse because they had all come to know me. I'd been there a month, and she saw me, and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. And she just put an arm around me, and she got me back in my room, and she said, we're going to pray. She said, you, you're going to be okay. And I said, but Emma? And she said, you are going to be okay. 
And she just began to pray and cover me in that prayer. And there have been other times along the way where I'd be at home even, in, you know, before the surgery when I was able, I was back, you know, kind of to my old self. But thinking about things like that, thinking about because you don't know how, you don't know what the end of the story looks like. You know, you don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know how much longer you have. And I would get in my car, and I would just get to the end of the driveway, and I have to stop, and be overcome, thinking about the what ifs, and I have to say, but Lord, I know you've got it, but I feel really weak right now, and I feel like I can't handle it. And that's when you learn what the verse means. It says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because he doesn't expect us to be Wonder Woman all the time. That's not what that's about. That's not what he's telling us. He's telling you, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And learn from me. You know, let him do the work for us. Take, take it, take, let him take the load. And just let him do it. And he'll give us that strength to walk through, you know, whatever the trial is. It might be a sickness, it might not be, it might be a relationship, it might be an addiction, it might be so many things, just the, just the weight of the world, you know. There's so many things that can weigh us down, but God's saying, just, just let me have it, let me take it from you. So um, we were moving through that season of, okay, what, is surgery an option? So they said, well, we're going to send you, you you're going to have to have an MRI and then a CT, and we really need to see more in depth of what's going on. And so we did that. And there was many, many prayers. Again, there are so many prayers from all of you that went up throughout the, the last, you know, year and a half. And um, many prayers during that time. And so we, we got the results back, and I got a phone call driving down the road one day from my oncologist, and he said, Sheila, he said, um, the doctors, because there was a team of doctors that would meet monthly about my case. He said they met and they reviewed the results and they think they can do this. And I was, I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, this is a good thing. Because I was kind of crying. He was like, no, don't cry. He said, this is a good thing. He said, they think they could do this, you know. He said, so I need you to, you know, meet with, meet with Dr. LeCompte and they're going to talk about it. So called my husband and I told him, I was like, they, they said yes, because we didn't even know that the answer would be yes, you know. It was just a possibility, but here we are on the threshold of this. It's like, okay, God, you know, you're moving again, you know, in your power, in your mind. You are moving, and you have to say over how, what this all looks like. So we continued the walk that journey, and that was in January. We finally got the news, and um, they... They said, okay, well, we've, they all met, and they said, what well, we feel like will be the best plan of action is um, we need you to go through radiation now. You're going to have to stay on chemo, uh, but you're going to have to go through a period of radiation every day. So we, um, we prepared to start that. So we um, went through that season of a couple of months of radiation and chemo every day. And, you know, during during that time, again, it was just amazing. And it's about looking for those opportunities and being willing to be God's vessel and however he chooses to use you. And I walked in um, the waiting room every day, and there was just this group of people. And by one by one, I began to 
we've been to minister to each other. We just kind of became this family, and the waiting room was no longer this quiet, you know, solemn place. It was kind of fun, you know, and we were talking to each other, and we were talking about the Lord and just sharing about our struggles and just the goodness of God through it all, and, and it was just such a wonderful atmosphere, and we had, you know, the, the receptionist, she was like, man, she was like, I don't understand. This is so wonderful. Like, she was like, it's never like this. And, you know, that, that's all God, again, is just about those opportunities and allowing him to move and work and, and to, you know, be in the, all of us have circles of influence, right? Whatever journey in the life, whatever season we're in, he's going to give you that circle of influence. And yours is different from mine. And, and as we move through our life, those circles change. But God expects us to use those circles of influence, you know, at that time to to minister to others and to use our testimony to um, to reach people and to help each other. And so that was such a blessing to get to do it. And again, radiation wasn't any fun. You know, it was hard. But he was with us every step of the way. And so we made it through all that and then met with the doctors again. And they said, okay, he said, well, now we're going to have to take you off of everything for a season of time to see you know what happens because if we take you off and anything has just been suppressed and it begins to spread then you know we're not we're not going to do anything he said because there would be no point in it he said okay and that's that was scary that was hard and that takes an incredible amount of trust you know to just decide okay lord i still trust you you are in control and, again, I believe that you're the God of it all. You're the great physician, and you didn't bring us this far to fail us now. And so we were cut off of everything and began to move through those weeks. For six to eight weeks, we would have to be off everything, and then we would go to the next step. So, again, this is all a process. And so much of our journey with God is about trusting the process, you know, that, again, whatever it looks like in our life, you know, and, and we don't always get the healing. I want to make it very clear. This is a testimony today about the healing that God has provided for me. But I want to be very clear that I understand, and it is a truth, that we don't always get the healing like we want it. You know, it's not always instantaneous healing. It's not always... Um, the relief that we want. It's not always the marriage that works out. It's not always um, the thing that just goes away. It's about the process and trusting God to his, for his will. And you know, we can't see the big picture, but God can. And so many times he allows us to walk through things because people will see that journey and see how we choose to walk through it. And that is more of a blessing at that time. You know, somebody needs to see that, that if they can go through it, then I can walk through it. If they can be strong with everything coming at them and choose to praise the Lord in spite of their circumstances, then I can stand strong and I can say, God, I choose to praise you in my circumstances and I will make it. And whatever happens, it will be okay. 
So many times that's what we have to choose to believe, okay? And that was where we were. You know, we didn't know what the end of this looked like. We didn't know what the surgery would or wouldn't do. But it was about saying, no matter what, God, no matter what it looks like, we will keep praising you. And we will use this opportunity to allow others to see your glory in this. And so we, um, we went through that season of time and the doctor scheduled another MRI and another CT. And so we went and we had that. And I got to tell you, those are some hard times waiting for those test results. And they have this thing now called UNC My Chart. And you know what it does? It's of the devil because it allows you to see test results before. <laughs> and that, that's not a good thing. I don't know which is worse, sitting in the doctor's office waiting for him to tell you, or you reading it going, I don't know what it means, but it doesn't sound good. And so, you know, in one of my, one of my anxious moments, I called my sister. I was like, this is my password. I need you to look at these results because I just, I can't read it. My heart was beating out of my chest. And she, she texted me back. She was like, okay, I don't know everything, but I think it sounds good. I was like, okay. So then I opened it up and I, I read it. And I wouldn't even tell my husband I'd done that. And so, uh, but then we, we read it together, and I was like, okay, all right, this, this sounds pretty good, you know? And so we had our doctor's visit, and he went through it, and he was like, okay. He's like, well, he said, everything is stable. Nothing is spread. It looks like we can move forward. And so then he began to talk about what all that really looked like. And he began to explain the surgery. He said, you know, I need you to understand that this is a very intense, very major surgery. He said, because what we would do is we would go in and we would have to uh, remove part of your pancreas, try to remove the tumor. He said, um, remove some vessels, lymph nodes. He said, we would reroute things, um, take out some other glands, take out... Um, I don't know, something up there I guess you didn't really need. He said, and then we would, we would go to the liver, he said, and we would, because it had spread to my liver, um, he, we would take out part of your liver, we would, because there were about four places on the liver where I had gone, he said we would remove part of that and then do what they call an ablation, burn the others off. He said, so, um, he said it's it's like two major surgeries, kind of like it into an organ transplant. He said, so it's it's gonna be rough. He said, and I want you to know what you're up against. He said, and I need you to understand that's a best case scenario. He said, because if we get in there, he said, and we run into this, whatever this is. For instance, if we can't remove the tumor, if we if there's we just can't get it from around those um, vessels safely. He said, we will stop the surgery and that'll be that. I said, okay. He said, number two, if we get past that and we move on to the next part, if you begin bleeding um, severely, he said, we will have to stop and shut it down. I said, okay. Got it. And then, you know, there's a, there was a third thing. There was, there was about three or four different things. And he said, okay, we, we got it. We understand. And he said that it's a lot. He said, and it is your decision at this point, you know, whether we move forward or whether we don't because we can't make any promises. You know, 
this is kind of like a Hail Mary. And we're just going to see if, if that's what you want. That's what we would do. And so once again, we were able to have a very candid conversation with our doctor. He said, I hear what you're saying. And I don't know where your faith is, but ours is strong. And for the past year and a half, this has been our prayer. And this is the pinnacle of all of those prayers. And we're going to trust God that he's in control. And we're going to allow him to work through your hands into the situation. And whatever happens from there, be okay. However the surgery turns out, it will be okay. And it will be a, a blessing. And we will use that for his glory. And you know what my doctor said? He put down his pen. He said, I believe that too. He said, my faith is strong. And there was a little nurse that's been with us the whole time. She was standing at the back of the office. And she said, I believe that too, girl. <laughs> I said, all right. I said, well. I said, we're all on the same team then. I said, let's do this. And he said, all right, let's do this. So they set a surgery day for June the 6th. And that was some interesting date because that was my mom and dad's anniversary. <laughs> I said, well, what better celebration we could have than to celebrate the love that brought me into this world <laughs> and then the surgery that would keep me in this world. Well, God would keep me in this world, but working through the daughter's hands. So we were all okay with that. So, um... We began to kind of get our minds ready for that and um, what that would look like. And our kids, it was like, gosh, what do we tell our kids? Because the last experience for them was not a good one. You know, I went in a hospital and I didn't come home for a month. So what are we supposed to tell them now? So we set them down. We tried to explain to them, you know, what was going on. And this is a good thing. You know, this is, this is a good thing. Mommy's going to be in the hospital, yes, but it's only, you know, probably for a week. Um, and, and they're going to you know, try to get this cancer out because they understood by then. Let me tell you, kids are resilient. Kids know a lot more than we think they know. And the blessing of all of my children through this has been just amazing. God, the way God has used them. And I can't tell you enough how much we should just pour into our kids and just pour Jesus into them. You know, because they just soak it up. And when you see that faith in them, because they don't know any better. But to believe that God's going to do what he said he would do, right? It's hard for us sometimes. That's why he says, the faith of a child. And a child shall lead them, right? And so many times my kids, like, they would know. They would know what was going on. My son, he was scared for so long after I came home from the hospital that first time. And it was heartbreaking because he was six at the time and it was just he couldn't he couldn't snuggle up next to me because I had all these tubes and everything on me but little by little as I got stronger and some of the tubes came out um, it was just amazing to lay with him and he would say okay mommy now today you go to chemo right and I was like yeah baby he said and on Wednesday 
you, you get it out, right? You get that thing out. I was like, that's right. He said, and then on Thursday, you get that shot, right? Because I would have to wear this thing home on my arm, the shot that would go off automatically. And I was like, yeah. He said, okay. He said, and then we have a few days, right? I said, that's right. And so they, they knew my schedule, but they were okay with it because as long as they could understand and process it, that, that was okay. And they knew that God was going to heal me. That was their prayer, and they, they didn't know any better but to believe that. Oh, that we could get there, right? That we could just have that firm, childlike faith that God's got it. So we moved through that, and we talked to them. And, of course, it was hard at first for them to hear, Mommy's got to go in the hospital. But then they were, they were okay. We prayed. And we're like, all right, kids, I want you to understand something, though. That no matter how this turns out for Mommy, that it's going to be okay. That everything is going to be okay. Right? And that was our prayer. And, you know, and they were, they were good with that. And they believed that. And that was their prayer, um, you know, through, through that season of time and through those, those weeks leading up to surgery. They just knew that everything would be okay. At this time, I want Rachel to come, and she's going to um, share another worship dance with you. And this was her prayer during that time and how she was able to bless us and just exhibit that faith.
And so that was her prayer, a beautiful prayer. And she knew that everything would be all right because she had heard her mom and daddy and her family, her aunts and uncles and everybody and the people in her church and the people in this church pray. And she knew that that's all it took was just one word, one touch. Those nights that I would lay in bed, I can remember reaching out my hands and saying, Lord, I'm touching the hem of your garment. I'm reaching out, Lord, and I know it's there, and I'm touching it. And I'm putting my faith in you. And I know it's going to be okay. So she did that the Sunday before surgery, but that weekend, so that Friday, we had taken a quick trip down to the beach to see some of our family and spend some time there and just kind of be away before things got real serious, you know. And on that trip, you know, it's so funny the way God will use things in your life if you're just really listening for his voice. And one of the things that he did, my kids were listening to Veggie Tales, <laughs> the story of Gideon. And you know the story of Gideon, right? And how God used a small army and kept making it smaller and taking away the things that we think we need to fight. And what happened? He won that battle against all odds. And there's a point in that story where he told Gideon, he said, you have your men, you get them to get the trumpets and the blow to the trumpets and you scream out, for the Lord and for Gideon. And they obeyed him when it seemed like the silly thing to do, when it seemed like, well, Lord, you've done took half my army, more than half my army, and they all went home, and you're telling me to go and, and do this and blow some trumpets and to shout out for you and then to, to run into this camp and fight this battle that is seemingly, you know, unwinnable. But he obeyed the Lord. And just something in my spirit just spoke to me, and I was like, Lord, are you really telling me to do that? Like, that just, oh. And so I wrestled with it, and I wrestled with it, and I got home, and um, so that Saturday or Sunday, I don't remember now, I, I called my sister, and I was like, look, I said, I got to ask you something. I said, I know it probably sounds silly, I said, but I can't not ask it because it keeps coming and God keeps checking my spirit and saying, do you, do you trust me? Don't disobey me. Follow through with what I tell you to do. And it may even sound silly to you, he said, but you asked Miss Faye Monday morning, 8 o'clock, when you're supposed to, they roll you back there to start that surgery. If she will blow that shofar for you in an act of worship and obedience, say 
It's for you, Lord. And for Sheila, but it's for you. And we're blowing the trumpet in faith and believing that that's all it takes. In the, in the face of the odds and everything that looks impossible, when it looks insurmountable, you've, you've, you've taken away everything that we think we need, God, but you're going to do this. And so that was my request. And thank you, Miss Faith. Because I know that that Monday morning, she got, she got that shafar. And she blew that trumpet. And a representation of all, everyone's faith. Because I know there were so many people praying that prayer. And so um, they, they rolled me back into surgery. Not knowing what was happening. It was going to be a long day. And um. We all, you know, my family had prayer. They actually took me, came in, took me back a little bit early, so I didn't even have a chance to pray with my family. But my husband and I were back there, and um, one of the pastors from our church came and, and did pray with us before they uh, put me out. And um, But you know what the Lord had directed me to do, too? This is one other one of those things. He was like, you pray with those doctors. He said, I don't care how intimidating they look. You know that one's on your team, and there was there was more than one that was going to be doing this. It was going to take a whole team of daughters. He said, you pray with them. And so they came in, and they had their words, and they were like, you understand this, and you understand that, and that if this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and we stop, and, you know, all of those parameters that they had put in place. And we were like, I understand. He said, and he said, it's not too late to say no. I said, I understand. We're good. We're going to do this. And so he said, do you have any other questions? And I said, just one. He said, okay. I said, can I pray with you? He said, absolutely. And so my husband and I and those doctors, we gathered together and we prayed. And we just prayed that simple prayer. Lord, thank you for giving us joy and chaos all these many months. And it's been hard, but you brought us to this place at this time. And we're trusting you right now with everything that we have. Whether I come out of the surgery or don't. Whether the surgery turns out or not. Lord, use their hands, work through them. And let your name be praised. And that no matter what, it'll be okay. And that was our prayer. And so the doctors left. And the nurses came in. And they took me away. And they... I was in La La Land for some really good sleep. And so the next thing that I know, I'm waking up in the recovery room. And um, when I came to, I was pretty alert just like that. And I remember looking around and I'm like, man, what time is it? I want to know what time it is. Because I knew the time frame, eight to ten hours. And I knew what time I went in there. So I knew what time I'm supposed to come out if everything went good, right? So I wanted to ask the nurse what time it was, but I was like, oh, I don't, don't really want to know what time it is. Maybe I'll just take it as it comes. And then I kept hearing the nurse say, um, well, I think she's awake. And he came here and he said, do you want to see your husband? And I was like, yeah. And so they went and they called Jeff back, and Jeff came in there. 
And he came and he stood beside my bed. And he took my hand and he said, have the daughter's been back? I said, no. And he just started crying. I was like, oh, I don't know if that's a good cry or a bad cry. And so before he said, I said, what time is it? He said, it's, it's, it was like four o'clock. He was like, it's four o'clock. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because I was already in recovery and awake. Now by four o'clock, I should have still been in that surgery. You understand? So I was like, okay. He said, the doctor hasn't come in. I said, no. And I was like, why are you crying? He said, because they didn't do it. He said, no, he said, they didn't have to. <laughs> and I just, I started laughing. <laughs> and then I started crying. And a song, when I woke up from surgery, I can't explain it. The song that I was singing even before that was, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. I haven't sang that song since I was a kid in Sunday school. But it was there in my brain just like that. And then he told me that. And right after that, the doctor came in. And he was, my husband was still crying. I was crying. And the doctor was like, has Jeff talked to you? And I said, well, a little bit. And he said, well, he said, I said, I, it was great. He said, we're ecstatic. I can't explain it. He said, we got in there. He said, we didn't have to do the Whipple surgery. He said, actually, he said, I put you back together like you were supposed to be. He said, we got the tumor. He said, we got all of it. He said, the liver. He said, we got that, no problem. He said, you still got your pancreas. You still got all that stuff. He said, um, you still got your glands. <laughs> And I just, I just started talking to him, and I was crying, and I was telling him, I was like, you know, the song that I'm singing, and I told him about that, and he said, he said, I, I can see why. <laughs> he said, well, it's a good day. I said, yes, sir, it's a good day. And so, you know, I can't, I can't explain that feeling of waking up when you, you go to sleep and you don't know what what the future is going to look like and you've lived the past year and a half with a question mark behind everything that you say, a question mark behind everything that you do, even though you, you've got that faith and you're willing to do God's will, but it's still a question mark because you can't, in your humanity, you can't say anything for certain, right? We're not promised tomorrow. But it was like when I woke up to the such great news and that that was the way God wanted to heal me. Yeah, I had to walk through all of that. But the joy, the joy of knowing what he had done for me each step of the way. And the joy of being able to say, God, you've replaced my question mark with a period. And you've said this, this is it. This is my promise to you, and I am on the throne, and it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what the data says. It doesn't matter how they say this is supposed to turn out. No, not a couple of years. You will live long. 
You will live long. You will live old to see your children and your children's children. That's what I have for you. I am the great physician and I have the final word over your life. And so we, um, you know, I was in the hospital for a little while and again, uh, like the devil will do in spite of all of that, you know, I would be laying there and he would, um, he started to creep in and those doubts that would come into my mind and say, okay, well, yeah, you're okay right now, but you've got to go through like five years of scans and, you know, and who knows how, you know, it'll come back or, you know, this, that, or the other. And just the lies that enemy of your soul will tell you after you've, God has given you the answer and you want it. And, and God put in my spirit, he said, Sheila, from Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, listen to this. He said, I want you to think about when I led those Israelites out of Egypt. And just before they crossed the Red Sea, he said, what did I say? He says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And then you skip down to verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Because see, when I went into surgery, the Lord said, I will bring you deliverance today. Stop worrying about the future. You look at today. I have healed you today. You know, there's no reason to be scared. Quit looking back. Quit looking back at everything that's scary. Quit looking back at, at all the thoughts of what you went through. Quit looking back at all the hurts. You look ahead of you at what I have for you. And you go through, you march through the seas that I'm getting ready to part for you. And you get to the other side and you let the waters come back and you don't worry about all that stuff. You don't have to wander around in the desert for 40 years. You can get there right now if you choose to. If you will take what I've given you and believe me and believe my word and follow my direction, I have given it to you. It is right here. Now take it. Take it and move on. Move on from whatever it is. Move on from the baggage of our past. Move on from the sickness. Quit believing the lies of the devil and just move on and accept what he has for you. And I know it's hard. And there are people in this room that have walked through cancer. There are people that are walking through it now. Ronnie Lynn has walked through that. Anna, I, you're walking through that. But God's got you. And there are others in this room that have walked through sickness, have walked through pain, whatever it is. But God's got you. And if you choose to just praise the Lord through your circumstances, I can't promise that it's all going to turn out like we want it to. I can't promise that it's going to be an easy road, but I can promise you this, that if you will let him, he's going to walk right beside you. And he's going to hold you in his arms, and he's going to assure you that everything's going to be okay. And he'll drive that fear away. And he'll drive that anxiousness away. 
And he will just, he will just take you right there in his arms. And he'll just prove to you that he is who he says he is if you will let him. If you will let him. If we could have that last video, please. Talk, huh? Oh, what? Huh? It's going to scratch me too. Come on, not now. So, see. Not now. Fine, she smells anyway. <laughs> I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You 
we'll just let him. If we'll just answer his voice when he calls and let him help us. There was a time in my journey when I was so sick. One day that Rachel heard me getting sick, my husband was outside. And she ran in the room. And we had shielded them from so much. And she ran in the room and she ran to the bathroom and she got a washcloth and she ran in the room and she pulled my hair back and she started wiping my face. And I said, baby, I said, no, I said, go get daddy. I don't want you to see me like this. And she said, but mommy, I love you. I want to help you. Just let me help you. And isn't that just like, what we do when God is saying, I just want to help you. And you say, I don't want you to see me like this, God. No, I, let, me, let me get this figured out. Well, I don't want you to see all my mess. I don't want you to see me hurting. I want to be this strong person in control. And he says, just let it go and let me help you. Because I am the one who formed you in your mother's room. I have called you by name and you are mine. And I will take care of this for you. And I don't know what any of you are dealing with today, if you're dealing with anything, but my guess is that there's people in this room who have just fought for so long and you're tired. Or you're dealing with a diagnosis or a bad report or a continued fight in your journey or a relationship issue or things of this world that have just come against you. And I don't know what it is. But I know the God who can take it from you, who can just come in and give your heart that peace and remind you that he loves you and he's in control. And there were so many times in my journey where, again, my praise was my worship. And one song lately that um, has just been a blessing to me if you know it, sing it with me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. You've been my fourth man in the fire, time after time. Born of his spirit and washed in his blood. And what he did for me on Calvary is more than enough. So I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I know the author of tomorrow has ordered my steps. So this is my story, and this is my song. 
I'm praising my risen King and Savior all the day long. So what? I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and he answered, that's why I trust him, that's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust in God. My Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Praise Jesus. I don't walk by, I will walk by faith. I don't walk by sight. I will walk by faith. I don't walk by sight. I trust in God, I trust in God, I will walk by faith, I don't walk by sight, I will walk by faith, I don't walk by sight, I trust in God, I trust in God. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for any reason, I want to just use this time for prayer and worship. There are plenty of people here today that will pray for you. Um, if there's anything that you need, if there's a sickness that you're facing, if there's a battle you're facing, if there's just something that you've been dealing with that... Maybe you don't want to tell anybody. You just want somebody to pray for you. There are people here who will pray with you. And I just encourage you. I know that it's 1218. We've got places to go and things to do. But if there's anybody here that needs prayer, we're more than willing to stay and pray with you today. And I just pray that if you need to go, that um, the Lord would be with you. Um, and that you have 
heard something today that has lifted your spirit, that has just given you peace and comfort, and maybe helped your faith to rise up a little bit, to give the assurance of knowing that no matter what it looks like, he's on the throne and he's in control. As the music plays softly, if you would like prayer, if you'll come front, we'll be glad to pray for you. Maybe you just want to come and praise him for a while. Don't be in a hurry, because God's got this. And wherever you need to be, you'll get there in time. Okay, if you'll turn the music on, please. And uh, just come forward if you feel like you need to. Heavenly Father, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus.
just a reminder if there are any WM directors, pastors, pastors, wives, please see me before you leave. God bless you for being here. Some are still praying. Let's respect that and reverence God while they do so.